Hello, and welcome to the Blockchain Journal Club. I'm Perry. And I'm Carlos. And today we'll be talking about a paper called Difficulty Scaling in Proof-of-Work for Decentralized Problem Solving. <laughs> nice, Perry. Thank you for the introduction. Um, You're welcome. How are you doing? Not bad, you? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, okay, so yeah, why don't I jump right into it? Maybe quickly we'll say again that this is a blockchain journal club. So um, every week we're going to pick a paper that's related to blockchain and we're going to try to explain how it works a little bit. Uh, and then you and I will discuss it, maybe discuss related articles or uh, potential like future directions to that might be interesting. And uh, yes, so... I tried to write down a quick little explanation so that somebody who's not super, super familiar with all the blockchain concepts might be able to understand. Um, and since this is an audio format primarily, I hope that you can have a mental picture going on while I explain. Do you see my, sh my screen, Perry? I do. Okay, perfect. So... Um, yeah, so the reason we uh, we decided to start off the podcast with this uh, with this article, which full disclosure comes from Perry and I and our colleague Alessandro, um, is not only because it's self promotion, uh, but also <laughs> because uh, I think it touches on a few points that are very important or kind of foundational for a lot of blockchain research. So really, if you're able to understand. Uh, what's in this paper and related papers, you have a pretty good idea of the foundations of how Bitcoin and a lot of major blockchains work. Does that sound fair, Perry? Sounds perfectly fair. Very good. Okay. So, um, and the aspect of blockchain that it touches on the most is obviously uh, the mining uh, aspect. And it's probably the strongest contribution from Satoshi Nakamoto coming out with you know, decentralized uh, cash systems is this, this, you know, you can easily come up with systems that keep track of transactions between people. This is essentially a ledger. We have databases for that. You know, A sends B five Bitcoin. We can log that in servers and that's fine. But what the, the mining uh, algorithms do is they allow us to sync this information across an entire network that doesn't have any special authorities uh, governing it so um, the uh, more formally maybe we can say is that uh, in, in Bitcoin you have miners and miners are basically computers that are listening to transactions that are happening on this network and they basically at a time point collect a bunch of these transactions they check them and if they pass certain tests which are very basic things like does the person trying to spend this bitcoin actually have that much bitcoin to spend are these valid addresses um, has this transaction been processed in the past so there's simple checks once these checks are verified then you can group these transactions into a block and that's essentially a snapshot of all the transactions that are approved at a given time point and then all we have to do is take that snapshot and append it to some data structure, in this case, a blockchain that keeps track of all the history of these transactions. Perry, feel free to stop me if, uh, if you want to jump in with anything also. So far, everything sounds perfect. Nice. Okay, so um, 
that's nice. But the problem is nobody is actually governing this network. Nobody is looking at all these blocks that are being created by miners and saying, all right, this is the next block that we're all going to approve on. In other words, even though the network is happening spread out across the world, we still want one version of this blockchain to be the accepted one. So one history needs to be the true one. And in order to do this, essentially, we need to pick one miner's block to be the next block to be added to this definitive version of the blockchain. Um, and uh, in order to do that, that's basically what the proof of work or mining algorithm does. So it essentially tackles three problems that come up in decentralized transaction networks. One is incentivizing members to participate in maintaining this ledger. Two is ensuring that everybody can stay in sync and up to date with the latest version of the ledger and that there's only one latest version or one accepted latest version. And it also adds some security. So it makes it difficult for uh, some miners to basically redo the, the history and sort of overwrite it um, because it actually puts in a pretty strong uh, energy and cost barrier into creating these blocks and having them appended. So if you were to try to undo a transaction that was already approved, you would essentially have to be doing a lot of computational work. And if the network is big enough, that can be so large that it's often not even worth it to do this. And you might end up just stick making more money by being an honest participant and just uh, getting the rewards that you get from adding blocks. So I should have said that when you add a block, the network basically rewards you with some amount of Bitcoin. And that's really why people mine Bitcoin is to get this reward. Um, yeah, so uh, that's it. So that's the, the point of, of mining. And it's essentially a way to select the next block. And you can think of it as a lottery uh, where whoever uh, solves a specific problem or essentially um, someone is randomly selected to be, have the next block, but it's random proportional to a degree of computational power that you invest into this process. And given that you've, uh, the transactions of the proposed block are valid. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we're assuming that a bunch of miners have a valid block at time step T. And then we say, okay, which one's going to be the next one, next block on the, on the history. Uh, and if it's invalid, th this can be easily checked. You can just look at the transactions compared to the previous history and say, this miner tried to throw in some crap into the blockchain. We kick it out. Okay. We don't, we don't include it into the definitive history. Um, so in more specific terms, what happens is uh, every miner takes his block and applies a function to it, which is called a hash function. And essentially, it's a, a function which maps data of uh, any size uh, to a fixed size output. So it essentially assigns a numeric value, say, to any kind of input data. So you can uh, give the data inside of the block that you're working on uh, to this function, and it's going to spit out a number that essentially looks random. So uh, th there's no real pattern to how it, it creates these, these numbers, which we call hash outputs or hash digests. Um, and it, in a sense, it acts as what people call a pseudo-random function. So all, out, all outputs are equally probable, um, but deterministic. So if you were to rerun this function on the same input, you always get the same output. Um, so, okay, nice. We can essentially create a little bit of uh, unpredictability out in this blockchain while still being deterministic. Uh, and then we use this to create a contest. So we allow the miners to hash their block together with a free parameter that we call a nonce. Uh, 
So essentially, it's just usually an integer or some small value that you append to your block, hash the whole thing, and that gives you a different output every time you change that nonce, that free parameter. Uh, and we say, okay, all the miners can do this to their block, and uh, whoever's hash output is below some threshold, some numeric threshold, gets to be the next block in the blockchain. So one important thing of the hash function also is that it's not invertible, right? So you you can't start out with you can't start off with the answer you want and reverse engineer what the input would have to be. Exactly. So really, the only way to win at this competition is by trying a bunch of different uh, nonces or free parameters uh, until you randomly get the desired uh, value, which is usually just some number below some other number. So some number below some difficulty threshold, and because this function is essentially Rand, uh, covering the output space uniformly at random, then um, you the, the more numbers you try, basically the number of times you try this scales proportionally to the, your chances of winning this competition. So the people that invest more power in this process have a higher chance of winning this competition. Um, so yeah, so um, another important property of this function is that once you uh, have done this successfully, you can easily uh, prove that you did it correctly. So anybody can then take your block, take the nonce that you said worked, apply the hash function, and check that your block passes that test. Uh-oh. I think I disconnected. <laughs> All right. So uh, sorry, some technical issues, but we are back. Um, yeah, so uh, at any time in the blockchain, all the miners are trying to do this. Uh, and then, boom, one of them hits the number. Uh, then all he does is, oh, I need to share my screen. One sec. Um, okay. Yeah, so at a certain point, uh, a miner will find a nonce that m works for their block. And they can just publish this and say, look, I did the work for this uh, block. You can check it yourself, run this hash function, and you'll see that it's below the difficulty threshold. So that means that uh, I get to be the next person to add the block, right? And this difficulty threshold can be adjusted to basically control the speed at which blocks get added. So the, the smaller you make this number, basically, the fewer uh, values are accepted as outputs from this hash function. So it's just less likely that you'll get the right one. Uh, and this is used in Bitcoin to make sure that blocks get added every 10 minutes. So the more people join the network, yep. So yeah, so the difficulty threshold is determined by the blockchain to enforce this 10 minute block time, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so that's basically how uh, Bitcoin mining works. And it's been working very well for over a decade now. Um, very well at securing blocks. At securing blocks, yeah. Um, so one of the criticisms uh, is that that's pretty much all it does. So in order to run this hash function many, many times, you actually have to spend a lot of energy, which is good because, like we said, it makes it difficult for someone to redo all of that work if they wanted to change the version, the history that, that we've all accepted. Um, so that's nice. It serves a purpose. Um, but it would be nicer if it served that purpose and another purpose, which could be to solve problems where... They, they don't have the the data involved doesn't have such a random behavior, but maybe is related to some real world problem. 
So we're, we already have all these people interested in mining uh, cryptocurrencies. Maybe we can leverage that interest to uh, direct some computational power towards other problems. Um, but that's not easy to do because uh, this problem, so this hashing problem, uh, that's basically a criteria for adding a block, has some requirements, has some properties that are pretty hard for any general problem to satisfy. Um, so I listed here a few, maybe I missed one or two, Perry, or didn't phrase them properly, but basically um, one property is that th this problem can't be reused. So once you've done the power, done the hashing for one block with a particular sequence of transactions and a particular nonce, you can't just take that solution and apply it to another block. So the solution always depends on the current state of the blockchain. And this makes it really difficult for general problems to apply because usually the data in a blockchain is quite random uh, and we don't usually care about solving problems on random data. We usually care about things with specific patterns that usually come from other sources. Um, so that's one big challenge. Uh, another one is that the solution has to be easy to check. So easy in terms of computationally uh, efficient. So someone can always just give me a block, uh, tell me what uh, hash function, that uh, I mean, everybody agrees on the same hash function. They give me the block data, their nonce that they used. I can just apply those two things to the hash function and make sure that they get a good value. And these things run very efficiently. Um, so the whole network can be doing these checks at any uh, all the time, and it's not uh, applying a lot of overhead to the network. Uh, another one is what Perry mentioned is that you can't really design your solution very efficiently. So you can't say, okay, uh, I need a, I need a hash. Uh, I need a non such that the hash is going to be within a certain range of values. Doing that, going the other way is super difficult. There's no known algorithms to do that. So usually the best thing that you can do is try at random. Uh, and this um, basically is a security guarantee for the network. We can always predict how much work it takes to produce a block on average. Um, and the other thing is um, that the difficulty of the problem can be adjusted, which we just mentioned. Um, just by changing this threshold for the uh, output values that you accept, um, adjust how many nonces on average you have to try for your block to be valid. So this lets us really control the pace at which the blockchain is updated. Uh, is there anything else I'm missing, Perry? I think that's it. So yeah, so these are the key features I think you would want from a, for a proof of work algorithm to work the way we want Bitcoin to work, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So then uh, people, have come along since close to the beginning of, of uh, these cryptocurrency blockchains and said, can we use a different problem maybe that where the solution, the output it gives us, which is just in the case of Bitcoin, just a random looking string. Uh, can that output be instead something more interesting or more useful? Yes, I guess and the thing is right now, Bitcoin uses as much energy as a small country. Maybe a, yes. medium, maybe a medium sized country. So the point is, can we divert some of this energy into producing some sort of output that would be useful for people besides just guaranteeing the uh, the security of the network? Yeah, exactly. Um, the issue is that is many real problems don't satisfy all these criteria, especially the one where we don't want reusability of the solutions. Because uh, if a solution uh, is kind of independent of the data on the blockchain, then it can always just be used to uh, fork the chain or 
uh, at or overwrite the history uh, much faster than it took to actually get the solution, right? So just you can just copy over. If you were if the nonce that you used for a specific block were to be reusable, then uh, the next guy could just copy paste it and not have to actually do the work. Um, so that's the main one that that uh, is is a challenge. Um, and some people have tried uh, to replace the hash function with, uh, I think the first, one of the first ones was PrimeCoin, which said instead of uh, outputting a hash value that's below a certain threshold, uh, the challenge that you have to solve in order to add a block is uh, finding the next prime in a specific sequence of primes. And um, this sequence of primes is dependent on the blockchain data itself. So the, the data uh, induces a sequence of primes on which you can check uh, what the next one's going to be. Um, but again, th so this is just one problem that might be interesting to some people, maybe not inter not broadly interesting, and probably the subset of primes that it tackle that it uh, reaches are is smaller than the actual set of primes that are interesting to people. So yeah, so it, um, they, they try to find these Cunningham primes or something, right? Yeah, yeah. Cunningham primes. Uh, and so yeah, the reference there is uh, Prime Coin by this guy Sunny King, right? Is it Sunny King? Yeah. I, I guess the point is these these Cunningham primes. We don't even know if they're useful for anything. Yeah. I mean, I, and even I if they were, I even if know. they were, they're just useful for one thing, right? So it, it, the whole blockchain is built around one specific problem, basically. So those are the two challenges there. Um, then people uh, proposed uh, blockchains that basically, on top of the mining, uh, gave some of the users coins for solving certain problems that are more uh, real world uh, of real world interest. Uh, so there's papers like uh, Prime, uh, sorry, uh, CureCoin and uh, Coinomy, uh, which essentially um, still rely on the full Bitcoin. Um, procedure of hashing the blocks for the backbone of the system, but have a layer on top that basically rewards users for providing uh, work that goes towards things like DNA sequence alignment or uh, protein folding or any kind of optimization problem, um, which is completely on top. So it's using basically the cryptocurrency functionality to uh, allocate rewards to people but it's not replacing the the mining yeah right? but it, so this this one is centralized right i'm not even coinomy yeah so this one specifically has a way of kind of proposing dna sequences to align and the the validating them with special special authority nodes and things like that um, but, but where do these extra coins come from they're just like some stored coins in the blockchain or they're just produced? yeah well i don't know i guess they, it doesn't matter right they could be minted um so yeah, there, there's usually a, a kind of like permission hierarchy happening in, in these types of things. Um, and that's um, that's one big drawback. Um, but there's still a lot of problems that we would like to be able to incorporate. So like we said, DNA alignment, protein folding, icing lattice uh, minimization. So solving, uh, you know, state uh, systems of, uh, what is it called? Uh, what is it, atomic spins that you're trying to optimize over? Yeah, there you go. Quantum spins on a lattice, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's interesting for some reason. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there's uh, probably more interesting is, um, you know, finding the optimal choice of parameters for a machine learning model is also an MP-complete problem. Hot topic, uh, oh, yes. Yes, so I should have said, uh, 
there's a word for this type of problem that has uh, these characteristics and it's uh, usually an MP-complete problem. So it's hard to design a solution. It's easier to check a solution is valid once you've generated it. So that apply that works for the hashing problem. You can easily just hash it, see if the solution is what you want it to be, but you can't go from a solution to uh, the proper like pre-image that gives you that solution. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the setting uh, where we uh, kicked off in 2017 uh, of coming up with ways to incorporate scientifically interesting problems to uh, the mining procedure. And we said, okay, well, it's, it's going to be hard to find a, a problem that's or a set of problems that's interesting to include hard-coded into the blockchain uh, that people will want to mine on and also have these properties satisfied. Uh, so we said, okay, why don't we do something in between? So a kind of compromise, say, um, we're going to still require miners to provide this proof of work that's based on the Bitcoin hashing. Some people call it the Nakamoto consensus protocol. Um, we call them uh, classical blocks. So uh, any block that's generated using this hashing procedure, uh, we call classical. And then we say that we can we reward users not directly by giving them coins if they provide a solution, but actually by increasing their chances of successfully mining a block if along with their block they produce uh, a solution to a problem that the network is interested in. Yeah, so we magnify their lottery tickets, right? We give them more lottery tickets if they provided a solution. Exactly, that's essentially it. So the that th this is just done by generalizing the the standard Bitcoin uh, difficulty update rules by saying instead of a single difficulty uh, parameter, we introduce a second one that's somehow scaled against the, the original Bitcoin one that says, if you provide a solution, you can post a block with this reduced difficulty. And then the network can just check that you hashed you, you still do the hash, but your hashes uh, are more likely to win the lottery if you also prove that you came up with a solution to an interesting problem. So that way, you you don't fully get rid of this really secure backbone of the hashing procedure, and you still incentivize people to d sort of divert some of their computational resources towards uh, solving any problem now, right? As long as the problem is of science, of, um, sorry, not scientific interest, but as long as the problem is basically NP complete, which means it won't be super heavy for the network to verify your solutions. Uh, and there's a huge range of problems that basically fit in this. We just went over them. Um, the network, but then decide, okay, we're going to work on DNA folding and uh, just through any kind of governance mechanism that already gets used in things like Bitcoin, they would say, all right, uh, on this fork, we're using, uh, we're solving these problems. Uh, whoever produces the next best DNA alignment for the sequence um, gets to use a, re a reduced difficulty um, in their block. Yeah, so uh, this, yeah. this DNA aligning is a bit confusing because I think you need some sort of score also, right? But if we just take a simpler example of like the next prime, right? So if, if every time someone finds the, the, a bigger prime, uh, that's like solving, getting a better solution to this prime, uh, this problem, right? Unless you want to show people maybe this uh, DNA aligning thing. No, that's just an example. I mean, you, you can always frame like an optimization problem as a decision problem by saying, uh, okay, uh, I'm not asking you for the optimal solution to this problem, but I want you to prove to me that there exists a solution better than this one. And by having this like uh, target uh, going in the blockchain, you can progressively sort of 
minimize uh, any function you want right yeah um and yeah so i think maybe at this point we can just uh discuss what uh what are the more like uh challenging aspects of doing something like this yeah so well first maybe we should discuss okay so the, the framing of the problem is basically any problem that we can say um you know does there exist a solution to this problem that's at least this good so yeah maybe you can give the example i don't know uh, yeah, I can whip out. I can I can whip out the paper, um, but I mean, people listening aren't gonna see this. Yeah. So um, the idea, but the idea is, does there exist a prime that's bigger than some number n? Yeah. And the point is, well, the way to prove that there does is by producing a prime that's bigger than that number n, right? And then to yeah. increase the difficulty, well, you increase the number n, and have to find a prime bigger than that new number n. So there's some difficulty adjustment here too, right? No, the, I mean, not, not in this, in our protocol, right? You don't, we don't have a constraint on the solution other than that it has to be bigger, better than, I mean, sorry, that's just a bribe, a byproduct of the optimization, right? Like the, there's no control on the difficulty of the problem. It might be super easy to find the next prime, you know? Yeah. So there's no control on the difficulty, but there is yeah. a, uh, you know, it, it gets harder over time on average, just because you get to the optimal solution. Oh yeah, sure, but that that's just like a byproduct of, you know, optimization problems. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some are like uniformly so solutions are uniformly distributed. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the point but if it, if there is a global minimum, then you expect it to get harder over time, right? To find that global minimum. Is that is that okay? Is that the thing? I think so. Huh. What if? Uh, okay, yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's not really like a, a factor for us though. Like it, there, it could be, it could be trivial to find every solution, right? But the the blockchain difficulty updating would still happen the same way, right? Oh yeah, I don't mean the blockchain difficulty. I mean the the, the solution to the problem can be trivial, right? I think it can, realistically. But then it's not going to be complete, right? It just it's you can just spam. Oh you know, sure. You could spam, but you would you would basically have um, the the difficulty would just adjust accordingly, right? Yeah, but I, I guess one feature of the NP complete problem is that it's hard to find the next like the solution, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we need that feature in there. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I guess that's cool. the The only um, the main disadvantage is however that in order to prove that you have a solution you have to provide it to the whole network and then once the whole network sees your solution then they could just say oh nice i have a free solution to a problem i can then just take it and use it to reduce my difficulty on a fork of this chain uh, and if you do that for enough blocks or in a, in a clever way then you essentially like artificially uh improved your hash rate um by some amount because the difficulty for providing a solution is decreased. Um, and so the, there needs to be some way to mitigate that risk. Yeah, so basically in equilibrium, we expect the, the difficulty to mine a block classically or with the Bitcoin protocol is equal to the difficulty to mine it with this reduced difficulty plus the difficulty to solve the, the, the problem. But if you keep getting free solutions, you just automatically freely reduce your difficulty for no cost. 
And um, so you can you can fork the chain and do a double spend, say, um, with less than fifty one percent, just depending on how many blocks you have available with solutions, I guess. Yeah, and in order to mitigate that, there has to be some layer on top, right? That says, you know. Yeah, so I guess we, we didn't focus at all on this. We just focus on this difficulty updating. But yeah, just like Bitcoin, I guess, uh, you wait six confirmation times uh, or six blocks before you expect your solution to be valid or to be locked into the blockchain. Maybe in this protocol, you'd have to wait 10 or 15 or whatever X amount before you expect your uh, transaction to be locked in. Yeah. So that, that, that's pretty tricky, though, to determine, eh? Yeah, I think it's a... So well, yes, it depends on the instance of the blockchain that we're looking at, I guess. How many solutions are available, how spaced out they are, how far you want to go back, all this stuff. And I think it would probably just come down to doing some tests eventually. You know, it would be cool if we could actually deploy the actual uh, blockchain. Or at least simulate, like, uh, an attacker, you know? Yeah. So for now, in the paper that we are publishing, which should be coming out uh, in the Ledger Journal, uh, I don't know, in a few months, um, is we simulated a network where miners are trying to solve the maximum clique problem on graphs. So find the largest possible set of fully connected nodes in a, in a graph. Uh, and this is just a classical example of an MP-complete problem. So we used it to show that, um, indeed, like these these problems naturally get harder and harder. Like the larger the solution you want to get gets becomes, then the it becomes harder and harder to find a problem. And so the new thing that we came up with 2020 and versus our 2017 paper is that uh, we make the difficulty reward uh, in terms of difficulty reduction sort of drop um, more and more as the problem gets harder and harder. So it's in the first version of our paper, we basically had a constant factor between uh, the full cla uh, hashing difficulty and the reduced difficulty. So even though the problem is getting exponentially harder, as people find more and more solutions to it, um, the reward is not e exponentially more beneficial. So eventually people would never be interested in trying to solve the problem when it gets to the stage where it's actually probably interesting to find the solution. Yeah, so the reduced difficulty just tracks the, the classical difficulty, but, and it's just reduced by some constant factor throughout the evolution of the blockchain, right? Yeah, so I can show the figure. Basically, you can see, um, for those of you watching on YouTube, um, you can see that it, if, if the basically the line that shows the, dif the reduced difficulty over a blockchain's history follows with some constant margin um, the difficulty of Bitcoin in the original version. What we really want is something on the right where it actually keeps dropping and dropping uh, until um, basically zero uh, if no solution is found. Yeah, and so that raises... I, yeah, go on, Perry. Sorry. I, I, so I, as the network, you know, takes a longer and longer time between solutions, what we're, the understanding is that it's harder and harder to find a solution. So you should reward them with a greater drop in their difficulty to mine the next block as yeah. the solutions get harder and harder. Yeah, because the the logic behind that is, okay, if you're trying to find a solution that's really difficult to get, it means you've put in a lot of work and then therefore you, you shouldn't invest that much work in actually just doing the hashing. Um, and 
that raises the next issue, which is sometimes the solution may be too, it may have been either saturated, like the current solution the blockchain knows about is the best possible one. And then you'll never actually know that you've reached that point. That's just a property of these like, you know, optimization problems. It's never, you, you can never know that you found the best possible solution. So you can either keep trying for the rest of your life or exhaust all possible uh, ways to solve this problem, which is usually uh, impossible to do. Um, or you decide to move on to another problem, which is another thing where we're trying to think of ways to, to say, okay, how do we get the network to pick a new problem to work on without having any central authorities, which is one of those drawbacks of the first kind of NP-complete solving blockchains where they just had a special authority giving out problems to users and giving them rewards. We still want a decentralized way for the blockchain to move on to a different problem once it's saturated one of them. And I guess this is a, a difficult thing because, you know, you want if you want to keep it decentralized, um, you know, you have, there has to be a consensus on how to include a new problem. Uh, what we thought of is maybe the, the standard way would be just to fork the, the chain, you know. Miners would decide on which chain they would want to follow depending on the problem. And then the, the people that follow or the chain that has the most popularity would be the, 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 the new chain um, with yeah. side chains developing, I guess, for people that want to solve different problems. Yeah, I mean, to me, that, that seems like a very cool and natural solution, though. Eh? I don't know why. So one of the reviewers said that hard forking is a really bad idea to do. In um, general, yeah. he said. Yeah. But I, I think it's just a way of the blockchain evolving. Like, hard forking is inherent in decentralized systems, it seems. Yeah. I, I don't know why you would remove that. But uh, yeah, that's just a natural way, I think, of adding new problems, right? When the network decides that enough energy has been spent on a, on a one problem, they can fork and... You know, work on a new problem. And I think another interesting thing to look at is how that problem is actually chosen on a social level. Like it would, sh it, you can't be like, oh yeah, I've spent my whole career uh, sort of mining primes and uh, I, I think we should work on that because I already have a bunch of solutions ready to go. Um, I think like the network would have to say, okay, yeah, you know what? We're going to try to uh, find um, drugs for COVID-19, you know? <laughs> Yeah, um, so I, yeah, but that would be then, cool, right? Yeah, that would be super you, cool if we can like get some machine learning parameters from uh, from this kind of network to solve things that are like relevant in time. Yeah, because then you can guarantee, or people would know that this is a recent enough thing, or it's well known that if a solution existed, it would be known. Uh, where you can actually have genuine like new work being added to the blockchain. Right? Oh my god, that's such a good idea. It's all like everyone in my research group is talking about COVID stuff. Like my, my, you know, um, my graph learning uh, prof there, Will, he gave a whole lecture today about uh, using graph algorithms for uh, finding, for solving problems in COVID. No, but you're right though. Like if, if there was a solution, we'd know about it and we want to find a solution right now. And it, it's a natural thing to pick, I think, for, uh, yeah. for a new problem, right? Ah, that's a good idea. Like get the social thing in there, you know, predicting sure. the election or uh, whatever, you know, current affairs. And I don't see that as a, any kind of centralization though, right? Like any kind of uh, update to the Bitcoin protocol is some kind of like topical current discussion that translates into a software upgrade update, you know? I, I guess the point though is that the miners get to pick which, which, which chain they want to mine on top. Yeah. So if they don't like a particular upgrade... If most miners don't like a particular upgrade, they can just, you know, it gets rejected. 
so the miners get a final say maybe on on how to update the network sure but that's that's fine right i can start a chain where i'm solving covid problems and you can start a chain where you're like doing icing minimizations and people can be like oh yeah perry's been working on this problem for years he's like he he, he knows how to do this he's so hoarded solutions and me it's like yeah this problem came out yesterday for sure i don't have a solution let's work on this and then people would mine on top of that you know yeah i guess to the point is if the currency keeps forking maybe it's not a useful currency right oh yeah if you never know at what instance uh what you never know which chain to follow at a given instant in time mm -hmm. maybe it's not a good uh it won't last as a good currency i guess oh that's a good point yeah i guess the point is we've thought about this a lot mathematically but these social layers are a bit tricky right for sure huh i mean I i'm sure there's like models for you know forking chains and you know studying how these happen at like a more meta level it might be interesting to look yeah. at yeah yeah i mean we to get this off the ground i think we'd have to do some studies like that yeah and by off or the ground just, i mean uh, implement it for real just do a freaking tangle whatever a what no my no a tangle okay no mining. <laughs> that's something else maybe yeah i always feel like the answer is a tangle but i never know how <laughs> yes yeah, so, uh yeah it could be i mean but it's weird because only a few, very few projects are using Tangles, right? Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Uh, Iota had such promise and... Uh, and they keep finding mistakes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that's what can we do? Yeah, so I guess that's the paper. Um, besides that, I don't know. How long have we been going? Oh, 40 minutes. Not bad. I think that's really on target. Um, Joe Rogan goes like three hours sometimes, though. Yeah, we're no Joe Rogan, though. No, I really want to model this whole thing after <laughs> Joe Rogan. Really From do. the beginning. Yeah. We should start wrestling or something. Actually, uh, I don't know if you thought more about this other paper. Maybe in the last like five minutes, we can quickly uh, see what's up with this guy, Wei Li. Um, yeah, we can talk about this paper. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I still don't understand exactly how it works. I mean, you want to introduce it? I don't know. So... One paper that cited us and that kind of went under our radar um, was uh, this paper called Adapting Blockchain Technology for Scientific Computing. It's really recent um, also, right? No, it's from 2018. Okay, well, not really recent, but after our it's, first paper, I guess. It's ancient, yeah. Um, we really got like the first paper doing this, eh? It's yeah, we crazy. started the wave. For real. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. The, what there's no earlier thing that we could have cited. You know, other than like prime coin and things like that. But I mean, everyone when that cites us says it completely doesn't work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We're the first at not working. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, I, I think there has to be that guy. That's the one that everyone says doesn't work. Yeah, I'm, we're okay the guy. Being, I'm okay being that guy. Yeah, for sure. No, but so the, the idea here is um, you can actually um, take any optimization problem. So if you can think of... Um, if you think of an optimization problem as searching for solutions in a multi-dimensional space, um, then uh, you can your proof of work could be to find a solution um, that that uh, is a, a local minimum over a subset of these dimensions. And is it a local yeah. minimum over a subset or a global minimum over that subset? See, I don't know. Uh, okay, yeah, I think it has to. It, it would have to be local because. Finding the global minimum, even over a subset, is probably very hard, right? Yeah. And it's hard yeah. to check also that it's the global minimum. 
Sure. And I'm, I would imagine there's some kind of like um, current minimum that you have to beat, right? Yeah. Well, that makes sense. That, that's why I'm saying local minimum, right? Yeah. Because yeah. global minimum is probably impossible to find. Uh, to check, I should say. Yeah. So uh, the, the equivalent, I mean, I think the example that he gives in the paper is imagine you're trying to solve the traveling salesman problem, which is basically you have a network and you want to find a path that visits every node in that network exactly once and doesn't go over any of them twice. So this is like a classic NP-complete problem um, where it's really difficult to actually find a solution, but you can check one easily. Uh, and he says, all right, let's just use this as our mining problem and we'll, we'll solve the issue of adjusting difficulty by saying, uh, if we want to make the problem really easy, then we let you only uh, find uh, a path over a subset of these nodes. So essentially, you're restricting your search space and making it easier to find a solution. Whereas if you were to run this on the entire network, then you would take a really long time to find a, a, a minimum. Uh, so that that's kind of the difficulties uh, adjustment that I, that I gleaned off the paper. And then there's also the fact that the problem depends on the data of the blockchain, which I think is the coolest thing in this paper, where he says, okay, well, let's take the hash of the previous block. And since that essentially works like a pseudo random number generator, then use that to pick which uh, dimensions of this optimization problem you want to work on, or uh, or should I should say like the dimensions of the problem that you want to accept as uh, work. Uh, and in this in the network example, it would be like the hash of the previous block determines which nodes uh, you work on for the for mining that block. So you can't you can't really like predict what that's going to be. So you can't just reuse that solution and plug it into uh, a fork of the chain because it's just going to depend on the current state of the, of the network. Is, is there a way to change, update the problem? Um, I don't know, but if there is, then it would just be like the same as us, right? You probably have to fork and... Uh... I'm not sure. Maybe maybe the block, maybe the hash also gives you a new problem somehow, right? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I guess it would be equivalent to saying you have a huge library of problems and the ha the network decides which one that current block is going to accept, right? Yeah. But which I guess I think it's something we thought about though, eh? I don't know. I have a feeling we thought about something like this at some point. No, no. Yeah, we did. We did. But I think the issue was, number one, are, the, are problems generated by blockchain useful? No, no. I mean, like you have a, a list of a million problems and your hash picks one of them every time. It's like a oh, lottery sure. over problems, right? Yeah, but you always I think you always have the problem where what what happens when these problems are finished? Yeah. And number one, number two, what happens if they're not relevant? Like no one cares about them anymore. Sure. So I think you need some adaptive sort of thing. Yeah. Like COVID would never be in there because mm -hmm. Well, I mean, you can imagine like, oh yeah, there's a protocol for updating this like list of problems or whatever, you know? But that that's right now our list is one problem. So it's, it's just the generalization, I guess, of what we've done already. Yeah, so it is a search for local minimum. Adjust the difficulty by setting up the number of significant figures and values of delta. For example, we require delta star to have at least k significant figures. Okay, not sure what he means there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't see like any major issues with it, to be honest, um, because you are kind of gradually optimizing over the whole problem, right? Well, the thing is what... Is the difficulty adjustment like you know if you if it's if it gets really easy at one point mm -hmm. or really hard at one point you reduce the difficulty by making the optimization over less dimensions over fewer dimensions? I would imagine, yeah. But that means then you can reuse the solution, right? 
No, because it would be like you can have the same number of dimensions, but a factorial number of possible combinations of those dimensions. You know. I'm just saying. Imagine. Imagine it's one dimension. Yeah. Someone down the line has solved for all the dimensions possible, right? One-dimensional things. Yeah. Or the or you know someone has solved for a two-dimensional optimization. Yeah. The two-dimensional optimization is valid for the one-dimensional problem. Yeah. So you can just pick that point, right? Um, yes, but it's a local minimum, no? Like, it, it, couldn't it be that your optimization over three dimensions is worse than your optimization over two? Not over the same window, right? Like, if, if the two dimensions are a subset of the three? The two dimensions, yeah, if, if the two dimensions, exactly, yeah. Yeah. But over the same like, window. Uh, over the yeah. same window. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, there's probably a window adjusting thing also. Yeah, I guess. We should probably read this paper. Yeah, it seems pretty interesting. And um, relevant. And very relevant. Uh, it didn't really get much attention, though, weird, weirdly enough. Um, oh, and I just wanted to point out another one. I, don't, I didn't read it, so I don't think I can discuss it much. But um, I quickly Googled, like, um, you know, what people call this type of thing useful work because it's not just... Um, you know, it, it's serving another purpose than just securing the blockchain. Um, so if you Google that, there's kind of papers coming out from this year that say, oh, this one, yeah, Axe Chain. Ah, they cited us, yeah. Uh, March 31st, 2020. Uh, a secure and decentralized blockchain for solving easily verifiable problems. Uh, so they introduce a blockchain which can uh, solve practical problems raised by users without greatly compromising decentralization or security. Oh, I like their wording of this, eh? We should use that. Without greatly compromising decentralization or security. You still compromise it, but it's not greatly. Of course. <laughs> I never thought of doing that. Oh. Under the reasonable assumption that the attack power does not exceed one third of the total power, Okay, so there's 51% becomes 33% attack. One half of the total power can safely be used. Oh, wow. So they're saying if DR is 50%, then their ADA... Oh, no, then the 51% attack becomes a 33% attack. Yeah. I wonder how they figured that out. We should read this also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, wow, I mean, smart contracts and virtual machines. Interesting. They're yeah. Going, yeah. They're going hard here. They are. No, they, they went pretty hard. Um, the, the thing is, yeah, I think there's things, I don't know if they do some kind of like solution hiding thing, right? That's another option, which is with ZK Snarks actually, and stuff. Yeah. So you, you could imagine instead of announcing your solution to the network, you instead emit a proof that you have a solution, uh, which is essentially what ZK Snarks do, which we might have, probably will have an episode about soon enough. Um, and essentially the network would be able to trust that you have a solution without you actually revealing it. So it would make it harder to, for someone to just copy it and fork the chain. Um, and that's, that might be like where we take the, our, our, uh, our work in the future. Um, yeah, so let's look at this, um, this thing. Anyway, I think we should end there. Uh, it's been an hour, almost an hour, 50 minutes. Sounds good, yeah. Um, other than that, I think Thanks. that's everything. Thanks so, for presenting, um, Carlos. No worries. Uh, question, are there Cokes at the grocery store? Are there Diet Cokes? There are Diet Cokes at the grocery store, yes. Yeah, okay. I'm thinking of going and just saying screw it. 
You should definitely go. Yeah? I saw Where people are lined up, eh? You, you have to line up. Outside, yes. Outside. They're, they're very safe and secure. <laughs> and, um, okay, so you line up and then that's it? You're in the grocery store like normal? I think they make you like uh, wash your hands before you go in. They like uh, Purell your cart. That's really stupid, eh? I mean, if you're infected, you go, you, you sneeze once and who cares that you washed your hands when you went in, you know? I, I, I don't get it. No, yeah, I guess. <laughs> sure. Or, you, or I, you're not wearing a mask and if you're infected and you cough on every, all the apples. Oh my God. Anyway, okay. So we're going to end it there. Um, thank you for listening. We'll probably be back next week with another episode and uh, hopefully Perry will have prepared a cool paper to discuss right yeah we'll figure it out very good okay thank you ciao